The reading this morning is taken from the second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16, to chapter 4, verse 2. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It is so great to be back with you today. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ellie Huggins and I used to be on the staff team at HT. And a year ago, my husband David and myself moved to Bristol so that I could begin training for ordination at Trinity College. And it's so good to be back with you, even though virtually, and we're really looking forward to when we can be back with you worshipping in person together. This morning, it is a huge privilege to have been invited to speak as part of this sermon series that you're working your way through, Making Your Life Count. Over the last few weeks, you've been exploring some of the pearls of wisdom that the Apostle Paul wanted to pass on to his mentee Timothy in first century Ephesus and to us here in 21st century Cambridge, Bristol or wherever we might be watching this from around the world today. And this morning we're continuing with another life lesson from Paul. Stick close to scripture. Stick close to scripture. And as we look at those verses that we've just had read for us, I'd love to pray and ask that God would open our eyes to see and hear and receive all that he would have for us today. So would you join me as we pray? Loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive, that it is active, and that it has the power to transform our lives today. And we pray that as we open it together now, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal yourself to us, and that you would change us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look at this theme of stick close to scripture, I think that there are three things that Paul wants Timothy and us to get hold of as we read God's word. Three things that he wants us to remember. And the first is this, to hold tight to the Bible, to hold tight to the Bible. Now, this might sound pretty basic advice to be giving someone who's already leading a church, but it was so important that Timothy got hold of this. Where he was living in Ephesus, there was a huge cult around a goddess called Artemis. There was a massive temple dedicated to her. There were shrines and statues everywhere. And there was huge pressure to conform, to bow down and to worship Artemis as the great god. And it would have been so easy for Timothy, a young church leader in that city, massively in the minority, to alter his teaching, to fit in with this cult, to soften his beliefs so that they better aligned with the Ephesian worldviews and ideas, 
to join in with the crowds that he was surrounded by. And so Paul is encouraging his mentee to hold on to the truths which are eternally true. Let's just have a look again at verses 14 and 15. But as for you, Paul writes, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And we might not be living in first century Ephesus and facing the same challenges that Timothy faced, but we are not immune to that pressure and temptation to conform to the culture and the beliefs that bombard us through social media, through TV, through Netflix, through advertising. And the truth is that what consumes us changes us. What we consume changes us. In the same way that the food we put inside our bodies has a physical impact on our health. So the things that we fix our eyes and our minds on have a profound impact on our lives. And the challenge for us today is what are we consuming? What are we going to feed on? And Paul would say to us, just as he said to Timothy, keep consuming the truths in this book. Hold tight to the Bible. You know, we live in a world which is constantly changing, where there are new beliefs and ideas coming at us thick and fast and old ones go out of fashion. And we can be asking, tempted to ask the question, well, what good is a book that was written hundreds, even thousands of years ago. Well, this was the view of the French philosopher Voltaire, who once famously said, a hundred years from my death, the Bible will be a museum piece. Well, Voltaire died on the 30th of May, 1778, and a hundred years after his death, the French Bible Society set up their headquarters in his old home in Paris. How wrong Voltaire was. You see, the reality is that the Bible does not have a best before date. The truths of our culture are here for a season and then they go. But as Isaiah tells us, the word of our God endures forever. No matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been a Christian, we never outgrow the Bible. In fact, the more mature we become, the more we see and the more we discover of our God. And so here is Paul encouraging Timothy to keep on coming back to the Holy Scriptures, which he's known from infancy. David and I have just moved house within Bristol. And even though it's only a year since we did our big move from Cambridge, we decided that now was as good a time as ever to have another sort out. And one of the things we sorted were the books on our bookshelves. And we went through them and we thought about the books that we wanted to keep and those that we'd read before, enjoyed, but we weren't going to be reading again. Um, So we passed them on to friends, to families and to charity shops. But you'll be pleased to know that the Bible wasn't one of them. Because the thing is, even though the Bible has had a place on our bookshelf for many years, Even though the Bible has been read again and again, we believe that the Bible speaks into our lives every single day. And that as we read it, God has new things 
to say to us. This book doesn't become outdated. And it's so important as Christians and as followers of Jesus that we keep rehearsing again and again over in our minds the story of which we are a part. The story of God's faithful love, of his perseverance and his grace. Because it reminds us where our salvation is found, not in the things of this world, but in Jesus Christ and in all that he has done for us. And it's so important that we take time to rehearse these truths, to remember who we are and whose we are, so that we don't find ourselves getting consumed by a culture that we're surrounded by. I came across this news story a few years ago of a missing woman on holiday in Iceland. I'm just going to read you a little bit from the article. The woman in question was reported to have failed to return to her tour bus. The tour company driver waited for an hour, but when the woman failed to turn up, he alerted police and search teams were dispatched to the area shortly afterwards. They started combing the barren treeless hillsides, looking for an Asian woman described as five foot two inches tall and wearing dark clothing. The expedition was only called off at 3am after it emerged that the woman had been on the bus the whole time and had even participated in the search having had no idea that she'd been reported missing. Now, you might hear that and think that is a completely crazy story. Surely you would just stop and count the passengers. But I think that we can do something similar in our Christian lives. If we don't take time like that bus driver to stop, to refocus, to take stock of where we're at, then we're going to find ourselves running round and round frantically like that missing woman looking for meaning and truth in all the wrong places when in fact it is staring us in the face the whole time. We have access to it the whole time. If only we would stop and listen. So the first thing that Paul wants Timothy to get hold of is this, to hold on tight to the Bible. And the second is this, to remember who is speaking to us through it. All of us will, I'm sure, at some point in our lives, have heard a story which begins once upon a time. Now, when we hear those four little words, we know that what is about to follow is a fantasy, a fable, a fairy tale formula, which will inevitably end with the words, and they all lived happily ever after. But this book isn't like this. It's not a set of myths or fables. It's not to be read like a make-believe fairy tale. Here's what Paul says about God's words. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. The words of these pages, says Paul, have been breathed by almighty God himself. Yes, the Bible is made up of 66 books written at different points in history by many different authors. But the truth is that there is a master author behind it all. The creator of the universe who led, guided and inspired these individuals to write words which have transformed lives throughout history. In this book, God has revealed to us life-transforming truths which last for eternity. 
In this book, God has revealed himself to us. There have been many times in my life and I've had countless conversations with people um, and the kind of conversation or the, the phrase that has been said again and again is I just wish that God would speak to me. I just wish that I could hear God's voice. And the reality is that if we open up for God's words, then we can. Because this is the word of God. At the end of our readings on a Sunday, we hear the reader say these little words. This is the word of the Lord to which we respond. Thanks be to God. But do we actually take stock of what is being said there? That these words that we have just heard read are not some human construct. But these are the words of almighty God himself. And we have access to them. We live in a society where people will go to great lengths to get hold of something or to see something or to be part of something that they really want to be. And we've seen that with the royal babies over the last few years. You know, I was baffled by the people that would queue for days outside the hospital where Kate Middleton was giving birth just to catch a glimpse of a future king, a princess and a prince. But in the Bible, we find not the words of an earthly king or a future monarch, but the king of kings who speaks directly to us. Except that we don't have to queue up to read it. We don't have to wait for days, weeks, months, even years to get our hands on a copy of it. We don't have to read it in secret, hoping and praying that we won't be found out, that we won't be arrested and persecuted. In the West, we have unprecedented access to the word of God in every form imaginable. And yet so often it is left untouched and unread. A huge power at our fingertips just pushed aside. And I think that so often the reason for that is because we've forgotten who it is that's speaking to us. And it's so important that we remember whose word this is, that we don't separate the Bible from the God of the Bible. And if this really is the word of almighty God, then surely we can't ignore it. Yes, God reveals himself through his Holy Spirit. And here at HT, we believe passionately in the gifts of the Spirit and that God speaks to us through words of knowledge, through prophecy. But the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. And so I just want to throw out a few ideas for how we might connect with God through his word in the coming days. And I think the first thing which is really important to remember is to make time to read it regularly. That has to be step one. To make some time, to set some time aside to read it regularly. Just 15 minutes a day will mean that you can read the whole Bible in a year. But with that, it's really important. I really want to say that ultimately it's not about getting through this book, but rather about letting God get through to us as we read it. They set some time aside to, for him to be able to do that. Secondly, to pray and to ask that God would speak to us through it. If we believe that this is the living word of God, then that is a prayer that he loves to answer. 
And thirdly, get a copy of the Bible that you enjoy reading. Now that might sound silly, but if you're trying to read the Bible in a font that is so small and a language that is so incomprehensible that you're not going to understand it, then you're not really going to be inspired to read it. You know, if you're really creative and you like doodling and highlighting as you read, there's such a thing now as a journal Bible which gives space in the margins so that you can annotate and write in what God might be saying to you as you read. Or maybe you prefer listening to the Bible. There's been times when I have really enjoyed hearing David Suchet read to me the uh, NIV version and you can get that on the version app. And that can be a really helpful way to connect with God's word. And on that, there are so many apps available that you can download onto your phone or your tablet and that can help you um, set a rhythm to your Bible reading. Something else that I found super helpful are the Bible Project resources. And they have produced a video for every single book of the Bible. And I've recently started watching before I... Uh, read a new book of the Bible, just watching their video, which gives an overview, a summary of that book. And it's especially helpful for books like Leviticus, which I've always struggled to get my head around and understand what on earth they're doing in God's word. But actually, they have really helped me to understand more of why Leviticus is there and what it says to me. It's also really helpful when we come to God's word to ask some questions what does this passage mean? How does this apply to my life? What is God saying to me today? There are so many resources out there. These are just a few suggestions. And if you want to know more about how to get stuck into reading God's word, then the team at HT would love to chat to you or chat to your small group leader or a friend. They'd be so happy to point you to some more resources. And thirdly, and finally, I think what we see Paul saying to Timothy and to us is that we've got to let the word of God change us. That we've got to let the word of God change us. I'm just going to read again verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Reading the word of God is intended to transform us, to have an impact on the way we live, the decisions we make, the priorities we have. As I mentioned earlier, David and I have just moved house, which meant an inevitable trip to Bristol Ikea. Now, we've discovered since getting married that I love Ikea and David is less of a fan, although he quite enjoys building whatever it is that we've bought. So we make a great team. But what we've discovered as we've assembled storage units and chest of drawers is that it's important not just to read the instructions, but to do what they say. There is nothing more annoying than putting together a drawer only to realise that you've built it back to front. And a great question when reading the Bible is, so what? (laughs) Okay, so I've read this and I know what God's saying, but so what does this mean for me? What can I do now? And you know, as we read the word of God, 
it is okay to bring to him our questions, our frustrations, even maybe our anger at some of those parts of his word that we don't understand or that we find uncomfortable maybe. But it's also important to remember at the end of the day that God is God, that this is his word and we need to be open to letting him challenge us and change us through it. As we do, the consequences are huge. Mahatma Gandhi wasn't even a Christian and yet he'd grasp something of this power that the Bible can have if only we would let it change us. He said this, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, to turn the world upside down and to bring peace to a battle-torn planet, but you treat it as if it's nothing more than a piece of literature. And I think that sadly he's onto something. It can be tempting to treat the Bible a little bit like a box of chocolates. And in my family, when we pass a box of celebrations round, I can guarantee that the galaxies and the Maltesers will be the first to go. And you'll be left with a bunch of Snickers and bounties at the bottom of the box. But when it comes to God's word, we cannot throw out the bits that we don't like, the bits that we're uncomfortable with. Maybe the bits which talk about our finances or our relationships or how we spend our time, many of which go against what everybody else around us is doing. And the reason is that this is God's word. And he has something to say to us through it. And as we come to realise who the author is, as we discover the value this book has for our lives, as we get to know God better through it, we cannot keep it to ourselves. As Paul says to Timothy in verse 2 of chapter 4, we've got to share this news with everyone in season and out of season, whether it's convenient and whether it's not. As Gandhi said in this book, we have power at our fingertips to transform the world. How are we going to use it? And as I draw to a close, I just want to draw our attention to the first verse of chapter four, because this is so key. As we read this book, the living word of almighty God, as we share it with others, we can be confident that we are not doing so in vain that no worldly truth or idea will ever trump it, because Jesus is coming back. We do all this in view of his appearing and his kingdom. The kingdoms of this world rise and fall. The truths of our culture come and go. But the kingdom which will last for, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. And he has revealed to us through his word truths which will endure for eternity. And as we read this book, the goal isn't so that we can develop a habit. It's not so that we can become amazing at a Bible comprehension quiz or become perfect people. We stick close to scripture so that we can get to know him better. It's all about him. The goal is relationship with him, to become like him and to understand his heart for our lives and for his world. Let's finish by praying together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth and that it speaks truth into our lives today. And we pray, Lord God, that as we read your word in the coming days, that you would stir our hearts to hear you, to see you afresh. 
and that you would give us a hunger, Lord, for your word that we've never had before. And God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.